Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It is great to have you here with us today. Really means a lot. I really appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. I know that there's uh, a lot of great guests, a lot of great hosts. There's a lot of great shows that are out there, and so I appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes of your day today. Hey, today we've got a, a great show for you, a great interview. We've got uh, Amy Porterfield of amyporterfield.com who's joining us today. Amy does a lot in the Facebook world. She's known for Facebook marketing and Facebook ads and just really, really smart in that. But she's got a great story. She actually she used to work for Tony Robbins. So we uh, we talk about how she landed that job and then also why she decided to leave that job. Why would you, you're working for this motivational maven. Like why would you ever want to leave something like that. So really great and uh, encouraging, inspiring story for you that I, we want to share with you today. So uh, let's get into it. Here is the interview with Amy Porterfield. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Miss Amy Porterfield, who is a Facebook queen. Is that is that the best way to describe you, Amy? Uh, I probably wouldn't call myself that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> so how would you describe what it is that you do? I teach entrepreneurs how to build their business online, and Facebook is one of the areas that I focus on the most. So that makes sense. All right. So Facebook is kind of what you're known for in the space. Is there other stuff outside of Facebook that you focus on that you help entrepreneurs with? You know, I've really been focusing on sales funnels, how to create sales funnels, starting with social media, ending with the actual sell through email marketing. So emails and lead magnets and all the good online marketing stuff that happens once we get the lead off of Facebook. Those are the things I've been focusing on a lot as well. So Facebook's kind of the hub for you of where people would yep. like come in, but then what, like, let's say I got a lead, like what, you know, what happens from there? So just kind of understanding what happens on the back end. It sounds like where so you're, you're, I you're really focused. Exactly. I talk a lot about what happens once you get that lead. So it's a fun conversation to have. Have you always just been into Facebook and into social media or where does that, like, where does that interest come from? It came from working with Tony Robbins. So when I was still in my corporate job, we started dabbling with Twitter and Facebook, and I really started to see how powerful it could be there and then started to work on it with my clients once I left corporate. So yeah, I've always really been focused on Facebook from the get-go. Nice. All right, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about that. So I know you're out in California right now. Where did you grow up originally? I grew up around here in Yorba Linda, hometown of Richard Nixon. So it's really close to where I live now, which is in Carlsbad. Okay. So like growing up, what, like, what did you want to do with life? What was life like for you? You know, I never, ever thought about being an entrepreneur. I was on the corporate track. I thought I'd maybe be a VP or a CEO somewhere, but it was never really an entrepreneurial lifestyle I was after. And so I was just kind of climbing that corporate ladder from the get-go. I went to college in communications and have been in marketing and content development ever since. What'd your parents do? My dad was a firefighter and my mom was a stay-at-home mom most of my young life. And so it was a very blue-collar-to-the-bone family. The funny thing is my dad used to always say to me, always try to be your own boss. And he loved his job. Like He woke up every morning and said to himself, I love going to work. He said there was never a day he didn't love going to work. So I always was around that, which I think helped me find my true passion in my work. But he also said, always try to be your own boss. And he wasn't his own boss. So it was kind of interesting he said that. I never really thought much about it. But then when I was my own boss, I thought, oh, well, someone's been in my ear my whole life telling me this. So kind of cool how it worked out. Did you ever ask him about that? I have recently, like over the last few years. And he said, I just felt 
for you, the sky was the limit. If you didn't have to have somebody telling you what to do and when to do it, that you could do big things. So it's awesome that he believed in me from a really young age. Is it one of those things like you don't recognize? Uh, and I don't know, maybe this is just for like parents and kids relationship in general, that some of that stuff at the time, you're like, yeah, yeah that's adorable, mom, dad. But yeah. <laughs> like years later, you're like, Oh, that totally made sense. Yeah. There's a lot of those moments I have. So you were never really pulled toward being an entrepreneur, even though dad was saying that. Isn't that weird? Like it's never just, maybe I didn't believe in myself enough, or maybe it just was, you know, I thought, I just always thought corporate was the way to go for me. I liked working with the team and I was a little worker bee. Like I did really well behind the scenes and just head down and got the work done. I was always a leader in the roles that I took in corporate, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. But I never was the one that just, you know, was going to do my own thing. But then I had an interesting situation that I thought I've got to run out. You want me to tell you about it real fast? Yeah, you can't just tease us and walk away from that. Keep going. So, So when I was working with Tony Robbins, it was about six and a half years. I was the director of content development, which means I got to work on the content Tony did on stage and in his audio programs. And he decided to get really into online marketing. So he had a group of online marketers come to our office in San Diego and meet with him just to tell them about the work they did. So we're talking, if you know the online marketing world, Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Brendan Bouchard, Evan Pagan, like big, big names in the industry. At the time, I didn't realize they were big names, but I got to be like a fly on the wall in that meeting. Literally, I was taking notes. And so there I was listening to these guys and Tony went around and said, okay, tell me about your business. And they didn't talk about their business as much as they talked about their lifestyle, what they did with their family, the vacations they took, the time they got off, how creative they could be, the fun projects that they created and worked on. And I listened and thought, holy cow, like there's a whole other world out there that I had no idea about. And I was getting that itch that I kind of wanted to move on. I knew I felt a little stifled with my creativity. I had just gotten married, didn't want to travel all the time anymore. So that kind of started to marinate in me like, ah, something's going on. And so once I heard those guys talk about it, I thought, holy cow. So for the next year, I asked to be moved to the marketing department. I got to work on online marketing launches and work with like Frank Kern helped us with our first launch, which was a big deal. And about a year later, I left and started my own thing. Surreal. All right, let's backtrack a little bit there. So you, whenever you were in college, you're doing the communication stuff, was working with Tony the first gig out of college? It wasn't. My first real big gig out of college was with Harley Davidson at a dealership level. So I was doing the marketing for a series of dealerships in, I went to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. So in that area. So that was my first real big job. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. My dad at the time had a Harley. And so I liked that lifestyle. I love the nostalgia. I mean, I was working for a company that people tattoo the brand on their arms. I mean, these are fanatics. So the storytelling and the way that you got to connect with the audience and they love, love, loved your product no matter what, that was a really cool place for me to start. And I just like the bike. I'm not a biker chick, but I like that biker lifestyle at the time. Right. So it was a fun place to be. From the outside looking in, it seems kind of sexy and cool, but yeah. yeah and then you get in there and it's not as sexy and cool. You know, anything, especially in corporate, anytime you get behind the scenes, you're like, wait a second, this looks a little different, yeah. but it was a cool experience. Well, I think that whole lesson is true. Like that, I mean, that's, we hear that from a lot of people who are on the show of people who outside looking in, like, it seems like they have this glamorous, sexy type of job. Like I, yeah. you know, I interviewed a gal earlier who is 
was one of the top CrossFit athletes in the world. And wow. I was like, man, that seems, really, you know, that seems really cool. But she's like, you don't see how many hours we are in the gym and how like I, I, I can't eat anything I want because I know someone else is out there competing to take my spot, you know, as one of these uh. top athletes. So like those type of things, like when you do peel back the curtain, you realize like it is really, really hard work and it's not nearly as glamorous or as sexy as people may think. Oh, it's so true, especially with the job with Tony Robbins. I mean, yes, the part that I got to work directly with Tony and learn from him and see how he did things was incredible. That there's no doubt. But I was on the road all the time, missing my family, you know, living out of a suitcase, working hours and hours and hours beyond what I wanted to work and not getting to call the shots. So that part, yeah, wasn't glamorous at all. So let's talk about that. Did you go from Harley into working with Tony? Yep. That was my next big jump. How did you make that? How did you get that job in the first place? So it's funny because when I was at Harley, this is so silly, but I had broken up with a boyfriend and was just crushed about it. So every night I couldn't sleep and I saw Tony's infomercials on TV. (laughs) And so I watched those and thought, this guy's kind of crazy and kind of cool. So I want to check that out. So I got some, his DVDs at the time and really fell in love with this message. I remember being at Harley at during lunch hour, going out into the car and like listening to all of Tony's tapes and stuff. So I became a fan first, went to an event, loved it. And the way I work is if I love something a lot, I want to work with it. So I approached their team and interviewed for a job. And at the time I might've been making like 60,000 at Harley. And I went for this job at Tony Robbins and they offered me, I remember so vividly $30,000 a year, but they said I could travel the world because I would be like a content manager. So I got to travel the world and do all this stuff with Tony's team, but there was no way I was going to back up that much. So I declined and it was hard because I really wanted to work for his team. So I declined and got another job in marketing. It was kind of a, not a great job. About six months later, they came to me and said, we had your resume. We kept it on file. What about if you manage this team of these content creators? And we're talking like $80,000 job. I'm there. So it wasn't about the money, but I also knew I had worked hard to get to where I was in my career and I didn't want to take a huge step back. And that first position would have been a huge step back. So I kind of stood my ground. I'm glad I did. Well, I think there's another important lesson there. Like most of us, like we're all trying to pursue some type of dream or passion or goal. And so outside looking in again, you're like, man, I have, I have the opportunity to work with, with Tony Robbins. Like why, why wouldn't I go work yes. for free? Like that seems amazing. But also just like balancing that dream and that passion side with the reality side of, you know, I want to eat and live indoors and I have responsibilities yeah. and I have a family yes. and I have like these types of things that like I have to take into consideration. I can't just go leaping off of a cliff or just quit my job on Friday and hope that magically on Monday it all works out. Like you just, you can't do that. You can't. And you make such a great point. I think there's a gut reaction at that point. If in my gut and in my heart, I thought, Amy, you got to make this work. This is what you want more than anything in the whole world. Then I probably would have made it work. But I just had this overwhelming sense, like, let's hold off. Let's hold your ground a little bit, see what happens. And so it's just that gut feeling that you got to go with. So you're there for six and a half years. What's that like working there? I assume it's just, it's all puppies and rainbows and, (laughs) and beautiful. Not so much. Crazy. I often joke. It took a few years off my life, no doubt. And, but it was very exciting. There is so much cool stuff that comes with learning directly from Tony. Like he would ask you questions and you got to pitch and catch in, in rare moments and be around how he thinks and how he does things. Everything I do in my business for how I create my content, how I put together my online training programs, how I launch, how I treat my clients. I learned all of that working with Tony. So there's so much that I learned, but again, really, really, really crazy long hours on call all the time. If he needed something that had to do with content in my department, I got the call. It made me on edge all the time. And I just didn't want to keep living like that. 
how long were you there before you started feeling that sense of like, ah, oh, man, this is a, you know, it's a cool gig, but I'm dying inside. Like how long did, did you start feeling that? Five years After in. Five okay. years in, I stayed about a year and a half, probably longer than I should have with that type of feeling. I'm glad I stayed because we'll talk about that in a moment, why I stayed a little longer, but about five years in, I thought, I feel like this is harder than it should be. Are you at that point? Are you starting to look for other opportunities yes. or are you, okay. What are you looking so, for? Are you just looking for anything else? Or are you looking for an escape or what are you, I was what are you looking just for another marketing job, quite honestly, still wasn't really thinking that I was going to go do my own thing. And the honest truth is I've always struggled a little with confidence in terms of what I can create. Now it's a little different as I've created this amazing business for myself. But in the first few years, I really had some confidence issues. Like who am I to do this coming out behind the curtain and having my own message? I've always worked for other people. So there was this confidence issue. So I truly remember looking at one of my girlfriends that I worked with at Robbins and telling her she was a writer for Robbins. And I said, you're a writer. You have this amazing, great skill. I don't have any skills that would translate into building my own business. Now we all know we all have something that translates into your own business if you really dig sure. deep. But at the time, I guess it was my confidence or fear. I didn't think I had anything. So I was looking for other marketing jobs for a while. And then I'd come back and think, okay, let's dedicate myself. I'm here. But that was off and on for a while. No, wait a minute. All right. So you're, you though, you're Amy Porterfield. You're telling me that you've got doubts and insecurities and fears uh, like the rest of us. Oh Yeah. No, I, I think that's just like important for people to hear because again, sometimes it's just like, oh, she's, I mean, she's Amy. So this, yeah, yeah, she worked for, worked for Tony and it all just magically works out. But it's like, no, like even in those moments that like nobody sees that you have, you start wondering like, what do I bring to the table and who am I to start yes. a business or to do my own deal or to whatever that next thing may be? Yeah. It really, for those first two years felt like a fraud. Like, what am I doing? Like, do I really know this stuff? And I knew, I knew it and I knew I could teach it, but I still really struggled with like, this is scary and frustrating and overwhelming. I tease that those first two years of being out on my own every day was uncomfortable. Like I was uncomfortable every day, but I knew so bad that I wanted my own thing at that point. So when I left Tony, so I started looking around, I didn't take another job, obviously had that fateful meeting with all those guys talking about their amazing lifestyles, wanted it. And so what I did move to the marketing department and then I started learning all this stuff and thought, okay, maybe I could do social media for businesses because I started doing Facebook and all that good stuff within the Tony Robbins Institute. And so I thought I could translate this and do it for other people. So I got really good at it, studied it like no other every morning, every night. I just eat, slept, breathed this kind of stuff. And so then I asked to go part-time and move to work from home which this is a physical office. Most people at that time were in the office. And so they said, yes, which is crazy. I remember how scared I was to ask. So I asked to go part-time and go work from home. They let me. And then about six months later, I 100% took the leap and went out on my own. So I am a kind of girl that has to take baby steps. I didn't do the whole leap. If I did, I would have left a year and a half earlier. So, I mean, you're taking those baby steps in part because it sounds like you've got that imposter syndrome that we all wrestle with. So like, what do you say to someone who maybe listened to this, who feels exactly like that of going like, I've got this idea and I've got this dream and I've got this passion. I've got this thing that I'd like to pursue and I feel like I could do it. But at the same time, I'm asking myself, like, who am I? So what, like, what do you say to someone like that? I say that we all truly have our own gifts that only we can offer in this world. I learned that from a good mentor of mine, Marie Forleo, and she would always remind me that we all have something. So if you're feeling like an imposter or you're feeling like, you know, who am I to be doing this? You are exactly the person that should be doing it. If you believe in it and you know in your heart of hearts that you're good at it. The thing that I will say is that if you're scared to take the leap, 
maybe be realistic with it. Maybe it's not time to take that leap from a corporate job into your own thing. I remember when I wanted to do it, my mentor at the time, Marie Forleo said, you're not ready. You don't have any money saved and you don't have any clients yet. So you do a side job, you do nights, you do weekends, you do at lunchtime and you work that business till you feel that it can actually have some legs to stand on. And that was hard advice for me to hear because I wanted to leave so very bad at that point. So glad I didn't. And here's why. I think if I left too early, I would have wanted to rush right back to it. Like it would have been a little bit too much. You know, we all got to make money. And so if I really struggled with the money part too much, I think I would have said, maybe I should go back to my real job. Right. And so that cushion allowed me for that not to happen. Sure, I've always had my doubts when I started out, but I didn't run back to it. So when you're at, you're with Tony and you're doing the, the content creation and then you're switching over to the marketing department, is that feeling like kind of a lateral move or does that feel like kind of a step down? And you're, for someone that sounds like motivated enough to climb the ladder, do you feel like you're making progress or you're just pushing the pause button? Or what do you feel like you're doing to your career at that point? To me, it was big because there had been an opening, like someone had left and it was kind of a, I want to say it wasn't a VP, but it was somewhere along those lines. So it was pretty lateral move for me, if not maybe even a a step. I felt a little out of my comfort zone, but I had been with the company so long and did a, a good job that they trusted me to jump into those boots for a while. It was kind of supposed to be temporary and just lasted longer. So I seized an opportunity. I saw it and I kind of jumped on it. Which I, I love that you you kind of alluded to that there. I think it's always important that, that in as entrepreneurs and as humans in general, that we regularly find things where we feel like a little bit outside of our comfort zone, where we yes. feel like we bit off a little bit more than we could chew. Like I remember I had a friend tell me one time, he's like, you want to find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set. You know, like when you Ooh. first when you first come into that role with, with Tony, the challenge exceeds the skill set. You feel like you're a bit over your head. Yeah. But then the longer you do it, then they switch places and you feel like the skill set exceeds the challenge. And you're like, you know, I could go on autopilot and still do a great job, but inside I'm just not really doing anything for me. So regularly finding those types of opportunities and those roles, both professionally and personally, where you just feel like, man, this is a big mountain and this could go really, really well, or this could be a huge mess. I don't know unless I try. Yeah. That's what it felt like. There were some private tears in my office when I made that move and thought, what did I do? So yeah, it was a little over my head. So what are those 18 months like? You moved to that new position and is it immediately like, okay, this is, I can do this a little no. longer. Oh, or are you gosh. still looking to just get out? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. It was like, I knew I was going to stay for a little while longer. I wanted to learn. They gave me this huge opportunity. I felt like I owed it to them and, and I wanted to learn from these big guys in terms of how to do online marketing. So I kind of was good for about it probably a good year after that. And then that's when I got it. Okay. So I got into that world a little bit more, the world of online marketing. I started reading blogs introduced to people I've never even heard of before. I went to networking events. So I started to kind of step into this new world I wanted to be in with these entrepreneurs building cool businesses. And that's when I kind of got the fever, like, Ooh, I've got to do this now or I'm going to die. Like I have to just go out on my own. So you're doing a bunch of different things. So what, like, how do you know what to, what's the right thing to do? Because I think that's obviously a, a challenge for a lot of people of going, all right, I know I don't want to be doing this. I know I want to be doing that. I have no idea how to get from point A to point B and how to begin to connect the dots. So when you know that your time is wrapping up, but you're not really clear on maybe what those next steps would be, how do you begin to figure out like what you should do next? So two things. One, there's a little bit of a leap of faith there, but also I started to watch what other people were doing and and started to ask questions when I got the opportunity. If I got in front of somebody that had done what I wanted wanted to do myself, I'd ask them, how'd you get your start? What'd you do? Kind of like these questions you're asking now, I would ask a lot of other people, but also I joined a mastermind. And so when I went part-time, 
I joined a mastermind with other women entrepreneurs, some way ahead of me, some kind of where I was at. And I got to use them as my guide. And I think that's important. It was expensive. So it was kind of a huge investment for me, but you don't always have to put a lot of money into it. Go find people that are going to help you move forward. I think it's a community thing more than anything. So how do we know, first of all, like how to find some of those people, but then also if I'm trying to find people that are ahead of where I want to be, what is the value that I would bring to the table for them? Great question. Yep. So that's when I talk about a lot of the times my clients will ask, well, you know, what kind of mastermind should I get in and how do I find these people? And I always say when you're just starting out and you don't have a lot to offer somebody that's maybe two or three years ahead of you, but you want to be in their circle, you pay for that mastermind. Mm -hmm. So I paid and I didn't have to offer anything to everybody else in the mastermind because there was a core leader. I've said her name a few times now, but Marie Forleo was my core mentor and she was the same for all of us. Let's say there's 10 of us women. And so we paid her and she kind of guided us throughout that year. So I didn't have to necessarily offer right away. And I think that's a great point there, that there are ways to connect with other people. But when you're just getting started, that sometimes you don't have to do this. But one way to kind of, I guess, in some way, shortcut the process is you can buy your way into access with some I people. Did, and that's what I did. You're, you make a great point. It sounds a little bit scandalous, but it was truly with good intent. I kind of bought my way into figuring this all out. But I think there's also like real value there. I'm just going like, it's one thing to build a few relationships and network with some people. It's another thing when you've got skin in the game and you're like, I, oh. I got to make this work. Because especially like, good like, point. like when you are just getting started and you're making that transition, like every dollar matters, you know, and and when you've got a little more cushion, then it's like, well, I mean, if this doesn't work, it's not a big deal. But if yes. it's like, no, no, it's like this has to work. I have to make this work. Then when you're making that type of investment in terms of your career, it's like really, you got to take it like a different level of seriousness. It's so true. Like I took it very, very serious because I had skin in the game. That's a great point. That's another reason why if you do invest, you've got that extra layer to kind of push you forward. So whenever you're talking with Marie and you're like, hey, Marie, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do my own thing. And she's like, eh, you're not ready. I mean, no, you're, you're, you're not. You're adorable, but you're not ready. <laughs> so like, what do you like? What do you say? Like internally, you feel like you're ready, but someone else is saying you're not. How do you know when the right time is? Yeah. Marie and I still tease to this day. Like, remember when you wouldn't let me quit my job and she just laughs. <laughs> but what happened was once she saw that I had made the effort to move into the marketing department, took the job part-time, moved from home, those are the things that needed to happen to give me that independence and confidence I needed. So when I was ready, I just went for it and didn't really need to look to anybody else. You just kind of know, even though you're never ready, it's kind of like when you have a baby, you're never ready for that baby, but you still do it. That's kind of where I was, where it's now or never. And I tell this analogy that I learned from Tony actually, where sometimes in your life you do things and you like storm the mountain or you storm the island and you get there and you're on that island and you have two choices. One, you could keep those boats docked up just in case you need them and you need to go back or you burn the boats and there is no going back. And I got to the point where after part-time, I took that leap. I stormed that island. I took it on saying, this is what I'm going to do. And I burned those boats really fast. So there was no way I was going back. Oh, but how do you know, like when you should burn the boats and when you should be like, eh, like there's, there's times where it's like, yeah, burn the boats. I'm all in. And other times it's like, I'm pretty sure this will work, but for the sake of my like livelihood and just life, I'm going to hang on to, <laughs> like, I'm going to hang on to just a life vest at least. Just I think it, so. that's where faith comes in a little bit. Like you've got to just say, all right, am I in or am I out? But also let me tell you real quick, 
when I left my corporate job and I, I started taking clients, social media consulting clients. So I would do their social media for them. And so I did this for a good two years. And that was not what I planned to do when I left Tony Robbins. My goal was to create online training programs and do these launches. Like I had learned from these big guys. And so I was a consultant and people were hiring me and they were offering me money. And I said, yes, cause I needed it. And I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated everything about it. And so what I, what happened was I had one big boss, literally Tony Robbins quit that. Now I had like eight little mini bosses bossing me around, calling me at all hours, telling me what to do with their social media. And at the time, social media was a lot more new. So they were really clueless and I had to figure it out. So here's my point. I did not like that. So I had created a business I did not like, and I could have at that point said, I hate this. I'm going back to corporate. At least it's a lot easier. Instead, I had to just make a transformation in my business and change things around. So that's one thing just to let you know, if you're scared about going out there and burning the boats, you don't have to end up with exactly what you start with. It can transform into something pretty amazing. Oh, I took all the knowledge after those two years and started these online training programs. I have zero clients. I do nothing that I don't want to do anymore. But the first two years didn't look like that. Sounds like you burn the boats and then find some new scraps on the island and build <laughs> yeah, something different. Exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. So like, how did you find these uh, initial clients when you're getting started? I did do a lot of networking. I went out, um, went places and talked to people about what I was doing. And one person would find me. And then a lot of it became word of mouth. Like social media didn't really start to work for me as much as it does now until I started to do my online training program. So a lot of it was just hustling. Gotcha. So uh, how long are you doing it with uh, doing just kind of the freelance thing, doing the social media stuff with individual clients before you decide to kind of scrap that client, the one-to-one stuff and do something different? So I did it for two years. And at the end of that second year, I had finally created an online training program and partnered with somebody that was a little bit more established than me. And it took off instantly. It wasn't the first program I created. I created a few along the way on my own and they did okay. But then I got smart and partnered with somebody and that took off. And once that took off, I quote unquote fired all my clients. <laughs> it sounds like it reminds me of our, our mutual friend, Laura Roder. She had a, a similar yes, thing of just like, I'm just going to can everybody and I'm going to do my own thing and okay, forget this. Funny and- you bring her up. She's the reason I did it. Like she was a huge, she was actually in that first mastermind I was in and she was way ahead of me. And she told me that story. And so when it happened to me, I thought, oh, I'm doing exactly what that girl did. So a lot of my successes come from what I've learned from Laura. Funny you brought her up. Yeah, she was back in episode nine. So I'd encourage people to, to check Love that, that out. Love that girl. She's got a great story. So as she now gallivants the world. Gosh. So, all right. So you fire everybody. You, you see that there's like, okay, there's this thing that's starting to work. How do you kind of like take that and just run with it once you kind of have that first success? What I did is I got really smart in terms of list building. So one thing that was huge for my success and going out on my own is I finally, after about two years of being in the business, realized that if I don't have an email list, I kind of don't have a business. So I started getting success with this first real big online training program. But in order for me to continue that, I needed to be able to get emails and communicate with people regularly and make more offers. So I changed my focus in year three and made it all about list building. 
I used Facebook marketing ad or Facebook marketing and Facebook ads. I created lead magnets. I did tons and tons and tons of webinars. So list building became my lifeline in terms of making my business really work. I mean, here everybody talk about list building. So why did it take three years for that to sink into I you? know. So it took two years to be Okay, exact. okay. <laughs> and I don't know. It's funny because I was in this mastermind and here I have Marie Forleo breathing down my neck saying, what are you doing about list building? What are you doing? I'd say, yeah, 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 I'm going to get to it. I was working on my logo, my business cards, right. my website, my blog posts, blog, guest blog posting all over the place, which was good and important. But I just, for some reason, list building scared me. It's a bigger process than anything else you do in your business. And there's a lot of pieces to it. Now I'm so passionate about it. I literally teach it because I feel like it's such a huge part of your business. But I just had this mental block about it for those first two years. So let's break down today uh, in terms of just your, your business in general. I know you've got a couple of different online programs and courses and training tools. So what do you do that, that brings in revenue for you today? Oh, I love this question. So what I do is it's a mix of my own programs and that's the bulk of my revenue and then some affiliate stuff. So I have a signature program called the profit lab and I teach people how to create a sales funnel using social media and email marketing. So that's something I launch twice a year. And then I have a $97 Facebook 101 type program that I have on autopilot. So I created an automated system using Facebook ads and I sell that every single day. And then from there, I do some affiliate stuff. So I'm affiliate to about three core programs that I really put an effort into every year. And so those three core programs plus my own is basically the only place where revenue is coming in. And what percentage would you say is your own stuff versus the affiliate stuff? I'd say 70-30. Okay. So where do you see like the next several years for your business going? I've always been really adverse to starting a bigger team. I have a very small team. There's like three of us yeah. and I never wanted a big team because I never want to feel like I'm in corporate again. I don't want to have to manage tons of people and, and be responsible for all of that. It just wasn't something I wanted. But recently I went to a little business retreat and quite honestly, Jeff Walker and Michael Hyatt, you know, Michael Hyatt, Sure. Um, both of them have bigger teams than me. And they said, you have to stop looking at it like that. You need to start looking at it as this team could actually leverage you to go do of more of what you love. And you can step away from the, some of the day-to-day -day stuff you don't want to be doing. So I thought, oh, that's a good way to look at it. So my goal to answer your question is to build a more solid team that helps me create bigger and better programs, make bigger impacts in people's lives and really help them take that product they have and get the impact and the revenue that they deserve from it. And in order to do that, I think I need a stronger team, a bigger team. So that's what I'm going to do. Now we just, my family and I, we just moved to Nashville two weeks ago. So oh my gosh, uh, so, I love Nashville. So I'm love, telling love, you, it's like it. those types of insights happen when you come to Tennessee is what I'm learning. So where did you move from? Uh, Missouri. We're born and raised okay. there and uh, lived there my entire life. And so we've got quite a few of those mutual friends that, that live out here. And, and we're like, all right, we got to be around where those cool kids are at. And so well, hopefully you'll run into Michael because he's a pretty cool cat. Yeah, for sure. There's plenty of them out here. So Amy, tell us a little bit more about uh, like where we can find out about you if we want to check out some of this Facebook stuff that you're up to, uh, both on the marketing and the ad side. Where can we go? Thanks so much for asking. You can go to amyporterfield.com. I've got a lot of great free content there. So thanks again. All right. Well, I want us to talk a little bit about the Facebook stuff specifically, but what we're going to do is we're going to save that for the bonus material. So we're going to wrap this up. We'll come back on in just a uh, just second and uh, ask a couple more questions about that. So if anybody's listening, who's like, hey, I, I need to know about this Facebook stuff. I need to know about ads and marketing. And uh, Amy seems to know something about that in the Facebook space. So we are going to get into that in just a second. So uh, Amy, really appreciate the time. Really enjoyed the chat. Thanks a bunch. Thanks. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Amy Porterfield of amyporterfield.com. Really good stuff there. Hope you enjoyed that. Hey, if you did enjoy it and you're like, man, I would, I would love to hear a few more minutes. Oh, well, you're in luck, my friend. We've got a few more minutes for you. You can actually go to uh, grantbaldon.com slash amyporterfield and you can download the bonus material there. Amy and I stick around and we chat for a few more minutes. So encourage you to download that. You can also click the link within the show notes that's uh, most likely going to be in the little notes section of wherever you're listening to this on your iPhone or mobile device. So I encourage you to uh, check that out. Hey, also be sure and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We'd love to hear a rating or review from you. I uh, love hearing some feedback from you. Let us know uh, what you think of the show and how it's helping for you. We want to make sure that, it, that this is something that continually provides what it is that you are looking for in terms of, of motivation, encouragement, inspiration, and then some uh, just uh, tactical, practical advice on how to go from something that you hate into something that you love. So hope you enjoy this, and uh, we're going to keep cranking these out. We're almost at 100. Can you believe that? That's pretty crazy. It's a little, uh, little surreal to me. We were coming up on episode 100. One zero zero in just a few weeks. So we're uh, looking forward to that. So appreciate you listening. Really means a lot. And uh, we'll catch you again real soon. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.